Welcome to the Vineyard Boise Sunday Message Podcast. You can join us live on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. on Facebook, YouTube, and vineyardboise.org slash live. Subscribe to our message podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. And if you'd like to support Vineyard Boise, you can give online at vineyardboise.org slash give. Today's message is brought to you by Pastor Brent Jones. Enjoy. I'm really excited to bring the word this morning. I've been, we've been in this series on Jonah, and I've just, um, Jonah is this, such an interesting story. It's like this, this crazy, this, this ridiculous story that's told in 40 verses. It's so concise. There's no fluff. There's no, like, um, there's, I, I read a, another, uh, a story that is like one event in Acts this week, and it's like, 35 scriptures of that one event. Jonah's not that way. Jonah is like, get in, get out. And it's this cautionary uh, story for us as the body of Christ, as as Pastor Trevor was saying. But this morning, I want to connect the dots for us in a couple of ways. And I want to, I want to, as we begin with prayer this morning, I just want to let you know, God has a word for you today. So if you showed up here today, I believe that the God of the universe has you here today for a reason, and he has a word of faith for you today. So will you just let faith rise up in your heart for that today? God wants to speak to me today. God wants to speak to you today. He has a word of faith for us right out of the Bible, right from his throne. He has a word of faith for us today. So let's pray. God, thank you for today. Thank you for the awesome privilege of opening your word together Lord, freely in this place. We're so thankful and we don't take it lightly. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you that it speaks to us. Thank you that it guides us and directs us. And today I'm asking that you would use me however you possibly can to bring your word to your family today, Father. Lord, we open up our hearts to you, God. Lord, and Lord, I speak to every distraction and command it to be silent and our minds to be at peace today and listening to you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Well, like we said, uh, we've been talking about Jonah, and I have a a kind of a a spot right at the end of chapter one that we're going to be talking about today. It's actually just before the big climax of the story of Jonah. So Jonah, we we all know like the the moment, like, and I'm not even going to say I'm not, I'm not even going to go there today because you know, you know what happens. We're not even going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the moments just before, just before. And actually, um, as part of my study this week, <clears throat> I actually watched a movie, a VeggieTales movie. <laughs> I did. Um, <laughs> now you're all humming that song in your head. The Pirates Who Don't Do Anything. I know. You know. It's a great song. That's a great tune. Uh, but whenever I, t- I think about Jonah, I, heal f- I hear Phil Vischer's voice in my head. I don't know why. I just always do. And um, the creator of VeggieTales. And uh, the movie Jonah um, is, is absolutely hilarious and just, it's so funny and actually quite accurate except for the vegetables. So <laughs> it's, it's very biblically accurate. Uh, it's just, you know... Uh, Jonah is an asparagus or whatever he is. So anyway, so that was part of my study this week. But I, what I was struck by, uh, as we discussed it too as a team, is the reality that, you know, a lot of people feel like Jonah is just, is only a cautionary tale. I used that term earlier. That it's, it's not literal. And I will tell you, um, with deep conviction, Jonah absolutely was a real person. He was a prophet. He lived he, here on earth. He died. He did, you know, he spoke. That we have other accounts of Jonah in the Bible bringing a word to the king. Uh, Jesus references Jonah, actually. Jonah is not just this pretend thing that um, was made up to be put in the Bible to talk about whales or not whales. Like the a, a debate. Was it a whale? Was it a big? No, who cares? It was real. It happened. And, you know, um, what I love about Jonah is he talks about God in this way. He says, I serve God, the Lord, the creator of the sea. 
See, even Jonah has this awareness of God. He, and so today I want to talk, I want to read um, these passages um, out of the book of Jonah. And I'm actually going to, we're going to cover verse, verses 10 through 16, but I want to read um, all the way through from where we've gone so far, if that's okay. So will you just open up your Bible, open up your Bible app, whatever you've got around you. Um, it's going to be up on screen too. If you don't have either of those things, that's okay. We're going to just read through it together. And then we're going to pull a couple of things out of this for us today. And actually, I, I'd like to say, uh, as I prepared this message, I was headed a totally different direction. And then God started to speak to me, not just about Jonah, God started to speak to me about storms. And so today we're talking about two storms. Today this sermon is called A Tale of Two Storms. So we're going to dig into two particular storms in scripture and talk specifically about storms today. Jonah chapter 1 verse 1, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, and said, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. We, we, we get not only what he did, but we also get his motivation. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea. And such a violent storm arose that the ship ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us, and maybe we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who's responsible for this calamity. They cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. I love in in the movie VeggieTales, they play Go Fish. (laughs) Clever. And the fish fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us, who's responsible for making all this trouble for us? What do you do? Where are you from? What is your country? From what people are you? They had a lot of questions for him. They were terrified. Jonah answered, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. This terrified them. And they asked, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he'd already told them so. So now we're into today's passage. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. The storm's getting worse. The situation is escalating. They were scared. They were praying. They were crying out to their gods. Now they've found the culprit, and now everything has escalated to an entirely new level of panic. So they asked him, get this, What should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Not what should we do. They're done asking what should we do. Now they're pointing their finger right at the man that's responsible and saying, what should we do to you to fix our situation? And he answers, pick me up and throw me into the sea and it will become calm. I know that it's my fault and that this great storm has come upon you. Notice he doesn't say row back to shore. He doesn't give them some sort of sailing advice. He doesn't offer them anything except a solution that only involves himself. We finally have a moment in Jonah's life of ownership in this story. He owns the problem. He says, it's my fault. Throw me into the sea. We just read the word sea somewhere, didn't we? He said, remember, I serve the God of the land and sea. What's he saying here? Throw me into God's hands. Put me in God's hands. It's my fault. Put me in God's hands. Give me to God's mercy throw me on God's grace, toss me overboard. Instead, (laughs) 
I love this. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land. They didn't want to kill him. But they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. They cried to the Lord, O Lord, please do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. Listen to this. For you, O Lord, have done as you please. That translated is, Lord, you're the one doing all of this. Not like, Lord, you do whatever you want, so save this guy. That's not what they were saying. They said, Lord, please don't hold us accountable because this storm is coming from you. And this is your man's solution to it, so don't hold us accountable. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, look at this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. This is God's word. Why was there a storm in this passage? Why was there a storm? Did they sail into a storm? No. This is not a trick question. They had a storm because, that's why Jonah references, the God of the land and sea, the God of the land and sea. They had a storm because God sent a storm. God sent a storm because Jonah was in direct disobedience and violation of his word to Jonah. That's why there's a storm. There's a storm here because Jonah disobeyed God. So Jonah disobeys. Uh, He goes the exact opposite direction of where God's calling him to go. And so God sends a storm. Why? To stop him in his tracks, hopefully. Hopefully. I'm betting, now this is just, this is pure speculation now. Had Jonah just stayed aboard, that ship would have gone down. And there would have been no next chapter. God would have sent someone else. God was looking for something in Jonah in this moment. to st- He turned up the heat on Jonah's life. In the middle of Jonah's disobedience, he turned up the heat and, and sent this storm. And it gets rougher and rougher and rougher. You see, Jonah doesn't just at the beginning say, oh yeah, it's me, just throw me overboard. He leaves it to God to point him out on board by casting of lots. He doesn't, not in the, when they first wake him up, he's like, oh my gosh, we're in a storm. Oh, it's probably me. He never volunteers that until God points him out. Do you see God sent this storm? God spoke through the casting of lots. God spoke through, speaks through the sailors throwing him overboard until he finally turns around. How do I know that? The minute his toe hits the water, the storm is done. The storm is gone. So this reminded me this week of another storm that has, is so similar in Scripture. And I want to read that passage to you. It's in Matthew chapter 8. Let's go there this morning. Matthew chapter 8, <clears throat> beginning in verse 23. Matthew chapter 8, beginning in verse 23. Then he, speaking of Jesus... Then Jesus got into the boat, and his disciples followed him. I love that. Then he got into the boat, and his disciples followed him into the boat. Suddenly, a furious storm came upon the lake, so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. Verse 25, the disciples went in and woke him, saying, this is, this is really familiar, The disciples go in and wake him and say, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. Jesus replied, you have little faith. Why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and waves obey him. See, he'd been doing miracles for people and healing people's bodies. And now suddenly they see Jesus speak a word and the wind and waves die. And the lake is once again just at perfect peace. No more storm. What kind of man is this? 
When he arrived at the other side in the region of the Gadarenes, get sorry, <laughs> Gadarenes. When he gets there, what's waiting for him? Look at this. Two demon-possessed men coming from the tombs met him. They were so violent. Who was so violent? Is this the storm? No. We're already through the storm. The men were so violent that no one would pass that way. Interesting. Why was there a storm in this passage? With Jonah, there was a storm because of disobedience. Why was there a storm in this passage? Was there disobedience? No. There's a storm in this passage because storms happen. Nowhere does it say Satan came against Jesus and sent a storm. It does not say that. It says they got into the boat and suddenly there was a storm. Have you ever been on, uh, have you ever been on the beach or out on the water and, and you, it's perfectly sunny and beautiful in one second and the next second it is definitely not? That can happen over the water. That's what happens. There's a storm in this passage, not because there's sin or disobedience or they're going the wrong direction or they're, in, they're, they're disobeying God or they shouldn't have followed. So, there's just a storm. There's no indication of any spiritual attack here. Sometimes storms just happen. But both of these stories about storms have some key similarities that I want to check out. They're both in this boat. There's a stormy sea. It's, there's a lot of panicked people. Both lead characters, Jesus and jo- Jonah, are asleep in the boat. The storm miraculously stops. Both lead characters are supposed to be headed, listen, to God encounters with scary people. Yes, by every historical account, the Ninevites were terrible, very scary people. Pastor Trevor described them to us a few weeks back. Jesus and his disciples were headed across the sea, right into the path, it says it here, of two demon-possessed men that are described as, quote, so violent no one could get by them on the road. What does that mean? They beat people up. Translation. Scary. The other account of this story, I think it's in Luke, it says that actually they were, the demon possession was at such a crazy level that this guy could actually break the chains that anyone tried to ever put him in. It's a little bit scary. You say, well, they didn't know they were headed over there. They just saw him on the other side of the lake. When they got there, you don't think Jesus knew where he was going? You think Jesus was just headed out on a cruise? Midnight train going anywhere? I'm trying to get songs in your head. He's God. Yes, of course he knew who was waiting for him on the other side of the lake. I think it's maybe why he was taking a nap. (laughs) Hey guys, I'm just going to go catch a tight 10. What's on the other side of the lake is super crazy. I just need a nap. Of course he knew. He got into the boat and the disciples followed him into the boat. This is the key. They followed Jesus into the boat. I'm sure they were thinking, you know, they, they were rethinking their decision a little bit later. Like maybe Jesus should have just gone out alone. But they follow him there nonetheless. When we're going through storms, inevitably, I just don't think we pay attention enough to which boat the Savior's getting into. When you have a choice to make, sometimes when you're praying for direction, you're just like, I don't know which way. When you're praying and you're asking God for direction, pick the boat that Jesus is getting into. Let me give you a little secret. Jesus is always headed toward hurting and broken people in his boat. Some boats are headed away from that. Jesus' boat is always headed toward the hurting, the broken, the afflicted. Jonah heard which way to go, and he hopped in a boat and went the opposite direction. The disciples followed Jesus into the boat toward the next opportunity to help heal someone. If you need direction, which boat is Jesus getting into? 
It's a choice. Okay, that's a, that's a pretty big simplification of storms. You're like, that's pretty general. It is. What if you don't have a choice? What if you end up in a storm and you have no option to bail out? And all your efforts to say, peace be still, are coming up short. What if you're in a storm? What if you're in a tragedy? What if you're in a crisis? What if you're in financial crisis? Depression. Relationship breakdown. Disease. Illness. Heartbreak. Loss of a job. What if you are in a storm-like crisis and it's not by choice? What if you, you say, hey, Pastor Brent, I've been like speaking peace over my finances. I am like, I don't know what else to do. I have been, you know, I've been speaking peace over my marriage. I've been speaking healing uh, over my kid. I've been there, but I've been speaking healing over my mind. I've had prayer for depression. I, I, I'm still sick. I'm still struggling. I'm still in the storm. I'm still in crisis. What if you're in a crisis not of your own making? Those situations in life where the kingdom of God is still breaking through. What if you're in a storm and you didn't have a choice, you're just in it? Well, this reminds me of another storm in scripture. I know I said we were going to talk about two. Surprise, we're going to talk about three. There's another storm in scripture This one's in the New Testament book of Acts, chapter 27. And Paul's a prisoner at this point. And he's being taken to Rome to stand trial. And along the way, they're preparing to leave the port. And Paul warns the leaders of the group. And so I want us to read through this. It's a little bit long, and I'm going to skip around a little bit. But can you follow me? Open your Bible. Open your app. It's going to be on the screen. Just follow me through this for a second. Because there's a thing we can do in storms that are not of our own making. And we're going to talk about this today. I believe God has a key for you in your life this morning. So this is verse 9. So Paul warned them. Them, this is, later on, there's, later on in scripture we see that there are 276 souls aboard this ship. 276 souls aboard this ship. Paul is a prisoner. There are other prisoners. He has a personal centurion detailed that's locked to his side that's taking him straight to Rome in the fastest way possible to stand trial. And so there they are. They're on the boat and they're debating whether or not they should leave, if it's the right, if the wind will be right. You know, they're just dependent completely on the wind and they, they have oars, but that'll only take them so far in the Mediterranean. So they're, they're, they're debating what they should do. And Paul speaks up and he says, now remember, he's a prisoner. He does not have a choice. Wherever that ship is going, he's going there. Men, Verse 10, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo, look at this, and to our own lives also. Paul's a pretty, uh, one might say today, prophetic guy. He knows what's about to happen. It's going to be, quote, disastrous. And it's going to bring great loss to the ship, to the cargo, and of their very lives. Verse 11, but the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and the owner of the ship. 12, since the harbor was unsuitable to winter in, the majority of them decided that we should sail on, hoping to reach Phoenix and winter there. Verse 15, we're just going to skip. The ship, like Paul, de- Paul predicted... The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind. So we gave way to the wind and were driven along. Go to verse 20. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally, look at this, gave up all hope of being saved. 
We. This is Luke writing this, and Luke says, we, that means he and Paul, we, he and Paul and everybody on board had given up all hope of being saved. He didn't have a choice. He had to go. He warned them. They didn't listen. And now he's chained to a ship that he knows is going down. Sometimes storms can feel like that. Sometimes we can have these moments in our life where we just feel like, I have done everything I can do. This, this is the account I was saying to you that's 20-some scriptures long. Listen, they start throwing everything over, starting with the tackle. They throw all the tackle for the ship over. Doesn't sound wise, but they're trying to make it lighter. They throw all the tackle over. Later, they throw all of the grain over. They throw all of the cargo over. They actually, the storm is so bad, get this, the storm is so bad that they actually run ropes into the sea, up over, around the outside of the ship, and tie the ship together. Read it. It's in there. They are sure they will not be rescued. They're doing whatever they can. They're throwing anything over. There's no casting lots. They're not asking who caused the problem. Paul already told them this was going to happen. Now they're just in that moment of realization, like, no, this is actually going to happen. This ship is going to break apart. We're all going down. We will all die. Verse 21. After they had gone a long time with no food, Paul stood up before them and said, men, you should have taken my advice. (laughs) Imagine this. There's 276 people aboard in a disastrous storm on a ship. Are they outside on the deck? There's 276 people down below, and Paul stands up and said, you should have listened to me. Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. But now... I urge you to keep your courage. Whoa, his tune has changed. Keep your courage. His tune has changed here because not one of, look it, not one of you will be lost. Wait a second. Luke just said, we believed we would not be saved. What has happened? What is the change? He stands up, is he just misguided? What is his faith in here? No, he stands up and said, not one of you will be lost. Look at this. Only the ship will be destroyed. Verse 23. This is is it. This is why. Last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me, verse 24, and said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. You're going to Rome. That's what he's saying here. Don't be afraid, Paul. You're going to Rome. And look at this. The angel said, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. When we read on, it says in verse 41, the ship struck a sandbar and ran aground and the bow got stuck and the stern was broken into pieces by the pounding surf. And the, prisoners planned, uh, the soldiers planned to kill the prisoners to prevent any of them from swimming away and escaping. But the centurion wanted to spare Paul's life and kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and get to land. The rest were to get there on planks or other pieces of the broken up ship. In this way, everyone reached land safely. Sometimes you get into a storm and you never had a choice about it. Paul had a calling and a direction. He was going. He knew what God had spoken to him. He knew where he was headed. He knew what he was supposed to be doing. He was on calling. He just was chained to somebody else and he had no choice but to go through the storm and ride it out. And at a certain point, he lost all hope that he would be saved. He didn't have a choice which boat to take or when to take it. 
but he did have a word. God gave Paul a word. He said, you're going to make it, and not one soul will be lost if you stay in it. That was, that was the caveat. In some of the verses we, we went over there, um, the caveat to everybody being saved was everybody had to stay aboard. Nobody could try to escape. Nobody could leave. And at one point, actually, they tried. They tried. They pretended like they were dropping anchor, and they actually dropped the lifeboat, and a few people were going to jump in. And Paul said, stop them, or we're all going to die. God gave them a specific way forward. He gave them a word, and he gave them direction. You see, sometimes, like Jonah, you need to repent, or you need to correct your course and go overboard. Sometimes in a storm, like the disciples, you need to speak peace to the storm. Sometimes, like Paul, you need to get a word from God and cling to it like driftwood, knowing that God will be with you in it, and while the ship may be destroyed, not a soul will be lost. Sometimes you don't have a choice, but you always have a Savior. There's a way through the storm that continues. Even if your boat is demolished, there's a way through. Even if it's breaking up around you and the storm seems completely overwhelming, there is a way through. You need a word. You need a word that you can cling to, like driftwood, and get to shore. God doesn't always stop the storm around us. It continues. Sometimes we don't have a choice but to walk through the situation that's happening, the sickness, the illness, whatever's happening in your life, the disease, the depression, the anxiety, whatever's happening. Sometimes we don't have the choice but to walk through it. But as we're walking through it, God wants to give us a word of faith to hold on to, to remember who he is and what he has done. If, like Jonah, the storm is of your own doing, it's time to repent. See, Jonah, for all his flaws, knew that it does little good to speak to waves of your own making. It does little good to speak peace to waves of your own making. Sometimes we just want to make a mess of things and be like, well, God's not helping me. Peace be still. Listen, Jonah, was, Jonah understood the situation and he understood his role in it. He knew this was not just like, oh, it'll be fine. God, God just stopped the storm. Nope. That was not an option for him. He had to have himself thrown overboard. He had to humble himself and throw himself on the mercies of God. He had to repent of his ways. He had to turn his ways turn from his ways and go another direction. And there was no way to do that at sea. You see, what I, what I think is really fascinating is when people talk about life, they talk about a pathway, right? A trail that you're somehow on. I think, I think, honestly, the journey of life is far less of a trail or a pathway and far more like being at sea. You see, there wasn't just a moment where Jonah could be like, oh yeah, I'm going the wrong way, now I'll go the right way. He didn't have the option to go the right way at sea. There was no way to turn the boat. It was in, the storm got rougher and rougher. What could he do? Oh, he could be thrown overboard and let God decide. Some of us have faith in Jesus Christ and we've been walking uh, in disobedience to Jesus Christ. And today, I really believe that God's calling us to a place of repentance to throw ourselves overboard under the mercy of God, to repent, to have the difficult conversations that we need to have with God and with others. That's the only way to course correct a ship in a storm. Confess our mistakes, tell the truth, have the difficult conversations of repentance. Even if that repentance is scary and difficult, which it almost always is, when your ship is going down in the storm of life due to your own sin and mistakes, repentance is the only option. Let's stand together this morning. We're not, we're not done yet, so... <laughs> Don't leave. Lock the doors, Chris. I'm <laughs>
take communion together in just a minute. You're like, that's a chipper way to start communion. Um, actually, what we're going to do is, is, first of all, I want to give an opportunity if you've, today, if, if you're standing here this morning and you just know, like, you, you have not ever given your life to Jesus Christ. Maybe you're just running from God altogether. You haven't been a Christ follower. You, you know that this morning, though, you can hear, you can feel the Holy Spirit drawing you. You can feel it. And he's, the Bible says, as Jesus speaking, he says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone will open the door, I'll come in and fellowship with them. Jesus wants fellowship with us. If you've never had fellowship with Jesus, before we take communion together, I want to give you an opportunity to give your life to Jesus Christ this morning. There's going to be an opportunity in a few minutes. If, you, if you're a Christ follower already and you just know you're walking a different way that you shouldn't be, we're going, to, we're going to pray for that in just a minute. So you just sit tight. But first, if you would like to give your life to Jesus Christ this morning and you recognize that he has been chasing you down, like that song we sang earlier, he's running after me. I want to give you the opportunity this morning. We're going to pray a simple prayer. If that's you today and you want to give your life to Jesus Christ, right where you are, would you just lift up one hand and just say, that's me. I want to give my life to Jesus today. Yeah, awesome. I want to give my life to you, Jesus, today. Yeah. Anybody else? I want to give my life to Jesus today. Yeah. If you see somebody with a hand up around you, would you just... Put a hand on their shoulder and we're going to pray together. Let's pray this prayer together out loud. Lord Jesus, I recognize that I'm a sinner. I recognize that I've made mistakes. I repent from my sin today. Forgive me of all of my sin. Wash me Make me new. I give you my life, Jesus. I give you all of me, Jesus. Come and dwell in my heart. Come and fellowship with me. I give you my life today. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Just continue praying if that's you. We're going to pray for another thing this morning. You can go ahead and put those prayer prompts up, Rob. What we're praying for today. So we prayed to give our lives to Jesus Christ, but next I want to pray... um, and repent, pray, pray prayer of repentance to God and others. So what's that mean? This is, if you're in a storm today of your own making and you recognize that and you would say, I'm, I'm in disobedience to God. I know I'm in a storm of my own making. And today you want to repent and throw yourself on the mercies of God. Today you're saying, I, I'm, I'm ready to throw myself overboard 
and say, God, I'm, I'm sorry. I want to turn and follow you. I don't really know how. Maybe you're in it so far now, you don't even know which end is up. That's okay. All you have to do is, today is just go overboard and say, I'm all yours, God. I repent. If that's you today and you say, I, w- I want to repent, I, I actually want you to come forward this morning. You're like, oh, I don't know if I want to. Now, well, then you don't want to. That's fine. If that's you today and you're saying, I'm, I, I know I have g- been going the wrong way and today I know I need a course correction. I need repentance. I need to walk in repentance. I've got sin in my life. I've got, I've got uh, disobedience in my life from what God has, from who I know God's called me to be. Today I'm going to walk in repentance. If that's you, I want you just to come to this altar right now. Come on. Just step forward. Step right up front. Come on. Yep. You know, God, nobody has to speak anything to you. You know, you're just saying, hey, I'm not in obedience to to God in my life. Come on forward. Yeah. I'm ready to walk in obedience to you, God. Come on. There's more. Come on. It's okay. Come on forward. We're throwing ourselves on the mercy of God this morning. We're saying, God, I'm ready to walk in your way. I'm ready to go your way. I know I'm in a storm of my own making. I'm, just, I'm ready to be done. I surrender, God. I throw myself on your mercy, God. So right now, with every eye closed, I want us just to extend our hands out to God. And right now, we're going to just repent of any sin in our lives. Right now, in Jesus' name. Lord, we repent of all disobedience, of all sin. You'll, you just need to name it. Just speak it out. Just say, Lord, I repent. I repent, God, today, and I'm turning to you, and I'm throwing myself on your mercy. I'm throwing myself on your grace today, God. Wash me clean of all sin. Wash me clean of all sin. Jesus. Lord, I throw myself at your feet, Jesus, and I say, forgive me. Forgive me, Lord. Wash me clean. Make me a new creation. The Bible says if we confess our sin, he, Jesus, is faithful to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess our sin, if we repent, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of that sin and to cleanse us, to wash away all unrighteousness. I'm believing for baptisms today as we get thrown overboard. I'm believing for the cleansing power of God to wash away our sin. In Jesus' name. Some of us need to let go of sin. Some of us, it's not something we're doing, it's something we're holding. And today we need to let go of sin. We need to let go of our own way and walk in repentance. Repentance is a 180. Repentance is turning and going the other direction. Repentance is a pivot and a change. Right now, in Jesus' name, I speak that over each and every person that's come forward in this room today. Repentance, grace, and favor right now in Jesus' name. We didn't read it. It comes up in the next part of our story. But when Jonah went overboard by his own choice, God sends a rescue. God sends a rescue. Today, if you're walking in repentance, God is not just going to leave you there with your feelings out there and your heart out there just exposed. God's not like that. When we walk in repentance, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He's got a plan and a rescue for you. The storm, the storm even of our own making, will cease and peace will come to that storm just through repentance this morning. So I just speak peace right now in Jesus' name. Lord, thank you for your rescue plan. Thank you for saving us today. Thank you, Lord. We respond to you with humble hearts, grateful hearts today, Lord, in Jesus' name. And now lastly this morning, if you, as we take communion today,
As we take communion together today, communion is the remembrance of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ for us, his broken body and his poured out blood for you and I to forgive us of all of our sin and make us a new creation. So today, as we prepare to take communion, there's one last response. And I know you're here this morning because God's been speaking to me about you. You're in that camp with Paul where you're in a storm that you didn't choose and you didn't make and you don't know why it's happening and it's really, really rough. And today, maybe even you had honestly given up hope that there would be a rescue or that you would be saved. And honestly, you're just standing here saying, man, I just, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm terrified and I just need a word. You're saying, I would hold on to anything if I just had a word from the Lord today that it was going to be okay. The storms of life are really rough. Sometimes it can feel like we are going down and the ship all around us is breaking up and there's no hope. We can't see, we can't see sky or stars and we're just stuck and we do not see a way forward. I want to tell you today, God has a way forward for you. And if that's you this morning and you just need a word from the Lord, I believe God has a word for you. If that's you this morning, you would say, I'm just in the storm and I don't have a choice and I'm just going through it and I just need a word from the Lord. If that's you, as we take communion this morning, would you just come forward? We're going to pray for you. Come on, just come down to the front. Say, I just need a word. That's okay to say. Did you know that? The disciples asked Jesus for a word. What did he say? Peace be still. It's okay to ask God for a word. Some of us come just hoping that maybe we'll get lucky and God will speak to us. Listen, God wants to speak to you. Come on, just press right in up to the front. Make room for others. Come on forward. Come on forward. Come on forward. You'd say today, I just need a word from the Lord. I need a word of faith. I need a word to hold on to like driftwood to get me ashore. That's okay. That is not some admission of lesser Christianity. That's an admission of dependence on Jesus Christ. Come on, just press in to make room for others here. So we take the bread today, Jesus, your broken body for us. We take the bread and we remember Jesus that you were broken for our sins, for all of our transgression and to bring the kingdom of God here into our midst. And today, Jesus, we submit to you. Jesus, we receive your sacrifice for us and we remember. Let's take the bread together. Jesus, we thank you for your outpoured blood for us, shed on the cross for our sin, for the remission of all of our sin. It covers all of our sin today, and we rejoice as we remember your sacrifice for us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Let's take the cup together. And now this morning... We're just going to take a moment. If you need a word from the Lord, we're not going to rush out of this time. You need a word of faith from him this morning. You're in the storm. You know you are. It's not something you've chosen to do. You're not unrepentant. You're just in the storm and you're in it and you're in the thick of it and you don't see a way out. God has a word for you. So I want you just to come to the front and just wait on the Lord. We're just going to extend our hands and wait on the Lord. If you're on the ministry team or prayer team or leader or pastor in this church in any way, small group leader, and you, I believe God's giving you words for people right now that are here at the front. 
And I want to invite you, if you, I want to invite you to come and be an instrument of God's peace in someone's life and someone's heart. We want to hear from the Lord this morning. Some of you guys just going to speak to you in the quiet of your heart and you're just going to know. You're going to have a knowing. You're going to have a sense and you know that he's going to see you through the storm. That's going to happen to many of you. You're just going to have a knowing. But God has a specific word for you as well. And so I just want to invite anybody on the ministry team, uh, if you have a word for someone, anybody on the prayer team, if you have a word for someone, just come put your hand on their shoulder and ask if you can pray for them. And we're waiting on the Lord this morning. If you're, if you're in the room this morning and you just want to hang out and be in the presence of God, please do that. We're going to worship for a few minutes. We're just going to stay in the presence of God and hear from the Lord together. Don't rush out of this time. Don't rush out of this moment. Let's hear from the Lord this morning. We also have a couple of specific words from the Lord that um, we're going to put up on the screen right now. One is um, grief from loss. As people on the prayer team were praying today or this week, they felt like God wanted to speak to someone about grief from loss. God is healing grief from loss. And then another word um, that's different from that is that God is saying not to undo his healing. If God's done a healing in your life, God's speaking someone to, to someone specifically saying, don't undo what he's done. Don't undo his healing. So those are specific words from healing. But if you're waiting uh, this morning to be prayed for, just wait. Would you just wait? Don't rush. Don't rush out of here. God wants to move in your life. We're going to sing over you. We're going to pray over you. And God wants to speak to your heart and your life today. God bless you. If you, if you are hanging out and you just want to chat with people, that's awesome in fellowship. You can just take your fellowship out to Heritage Hall or out to the lobby. We're in this room. We're just going to keep meeting with God. We're just going to keep letting God speak to people. We're not going to rush out of this moment. So God bless you. Have an incredible week. We'll see you back here next weekend. If you want to just be in here and meet with God, just stay here. We're going to just keep, keep meeting with Jesus. Thanks for listening. To respond or receive prayer after the live stream closes, please email prayer at vineyardboise.org. And if possible, include your phone number. We'd love to get in touch with you. Thanks.